And as they're doing that, we can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll be reading verses 16 to 21, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word this morning. Starting at verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him who to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, to you be the glory and the dominion and the power forever and ever. This morning, in light of these verses, we behold our God seated on the throne at the right hand of the majesty of God, having finished the work that brings us reconciliation. Magnify Christ even today, working together with him, Lord. May your spirit lay truth upon our hearts. In his name we pray. Amen. In World War I, it was 1916, and there was a dilemma. A, a group of 1,600 British soldiers were, were preparing for an offensive. But at the, at the base, a word came in, intel came in, that they were going to be actually walking into a massacre. There was a planned ambush that the enemy had prepared and that this plan was going to be absolute destruction for this division of British soldiers. So in those days, that message had to be brought to them right at the front line. Telegraph cables were cut and telephone lines were unreliable. So in those days, a physical message needed to be taken. And in this case, two men took the message to the front line. And this story was recounted by one of those men to his grandson. And the grandson, Sam, Sam Mendes, recalled the stories told by his grandfather that he was five and a half feet tall, but he was fast. And it said on the no man's land, when they left the trenches in the no man's land, six feet, and he ran through the mist through no man's land, he and a, and a cohort with him. And they took this message through no man's land, through German encampments, through a town across the river, and they intended to get it to the woods, to this group of 1,600 soldiers so he, they might prevent their imminent death. So our passage this morning 
also speaks about a message, a message to the world, a message about Christ's death and resurrection. It's a message about the heart, a message entrusted to us. It's about bringing the heart to life. So I'd like to look at three Christ-centered phrases in this passage this morning as we look at the beautiful gospel truths that are presented. Number one, we're new creations in Christ. And then we'll look at reconciliation through Christ. And finally, ambassadors for Christ. So first of all, in verse 17, we read, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, in the context of 2 Corinthians, Paul has been discussing the new covenant and the old covenant, comparing them actually in chapter 3. And he said, God has made us to be sufficient for ministry of this new covenant. So in chapter 3, he talks about the old covenant being one of condemnation. This old covenant that is passing away. He said it's of the letter. He said it's written on tablets of stone. A covenant that is called actually the ministry of death, Paul called it. Because this old covenant was never able to bring a heart to life. And he compared that to the new covenant. And the new covenant is a ministry of the spirit. It's a ministry of righteousness. And it's written on the tablets of men's hearts. The heart that this message is about the heart. And Jesus himself told the disciples, this is the new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. The blood of Christ that affects a heart. So Paul says the old passed away, the letter that kills, but the new has come. Now the new fullness of the covenant of God that brings life and forgiveness of sins by the blood of Christ. The old covenant had a fading glory. When Moses went in to meet with God, he would come out, his face would shine. But it was a fading, shining. So he put a veil over his face so the Israelites would not gaze at what was passing away. But the new covenant, Paul would say, has permanent glory. The glory and the radiance of our Lord Jesus Christ. There was a man who came to Jesus, a man that was steeped in this old covenant, his name was Nicodemus. He came by night to Jesus and he said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God. No one can do the things that you're doing unless God is with him. Jesus said, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Of course, Nicodemus says, how can this be? Jesus said, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So this is the truth that God shared with Nicodemus. Jesus later said, whoever who hears and believes in me has passed from death to life. Paul would write about this change in his letter to the Ephesians. He said, you were once dead in trespasses in which you once walked according to the course of the world according to the course of the prince of the power of the air. We were by nature children of wrath, but then he says, but God, who is rich in mercy, even when we were dead, made us alive. So that old that has passed away, the old 
heart that ruled by sin and in sin's dominion, God, through God's mercy and his love and his power, he makes that heart come to life, raised up with Christ. He would write to Titus, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to lusts and passions, spending our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. New covenant glory, but when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not by works done by us that Nicodemus might have been leaning into, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. So Paul again stressing this, this washing, this cleansing, this heart change. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Back in high school, uh, we took a trip to Scotland. It was our, our dance band, we called it, a stage band. I played the tenor sax. If you ever seen Charles give it a go, he tried it a few years back. And uh, the problem was the instrument, Charles, not you. <laughs> and on the plane and, and on that, those 17 days in Scotland, there was a girl who, like myself, attended church every week and loved the Lord. And she said to me, Terry, are you born again? I said, uh, I go to church every Sunday. I read the Bible. I'm serving the Lord at our church. But she said, are you born again? And in hindsight, I had Nicodemus robes on. Nicodemus, a fairly good man, but bringing his own works of righteousness, his own standing. He came to Jesus wondering, what about eternal life? And, and Jesus said, you must be born again, Nicodemus. And it was 12 years after that time where this young Christian gal told me about the rebirth that the weight of my own sin came upon me in a way that nearly took me down to physical brokenness and weakness. It was a very, very difficult time, but by the Lord's grace, he, he revealed to me all, the truth of the cross, that Christ was made to be sin, and it was my sin. It was my sin that held him there. And I, I looked at the cross, and I treasured Christ for the first time. Someone who went to church all his life but never knew really the depth of his sin. And in this born-again experience, I was reading the begetting, the rebirth of the Spirit, and the believing are simultaneous. The Spirit came upon my heart and bringing me into right relationship with God revealed my sin. The Holy Spirit convicting me. And then with glorious, just a privilege and a grace, God led me to the cross and I received Christ as my personal savior and baptized in this church at that time. So it's really a beautiful thing. An analogy of the beginning and the believing would be fire and heat. The fire comes, which is the work of the spirit, the baptism of fire, but the heat is there with it and the light is with it. That's our believing. So yes, I learned about Christ, but I didn't treasure him until I seen him as my savior from sin. All our stories are different. That's my story. But I think for all of us, we need to see ourselves alienated through sin, seeing Christ as the price paid for our sin, and receiving him 
as our Savior from sin. According to the mercy of God, he saved us through Christ's death. So that's the born-again experience, is receiving Christ as Savior. There's another time in Scripture that word is used. Jesus, in Matthew 19, verse 28, talks about the new world that is to come. And he actually uses the same term as new creation, as much as in the regeneration of all creation. This is God's plan. So this rebirth, rebirth of the heart, and then one day new bodies, our bodies born and changed, and the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, a rebirth of all creation. What a beautiful work God has done and is doing through the gospel. The very next verse says, all this is from God. And we read in Ezekiel chapter 36 of some verses about this new covenant in around verse 26 of Ezekiel 36. And the prophet writes on behalf of God, I will cleanse you of all your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will put a new heart in you and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And then he says, I will put my spirit in you. And that's what this new creation, all this is from God. Nicodemus, you must be born again. Only God can raise the dead to life. And God calls us forth to faith. And that's a beautiful truth in verse 17 is this regeneration, this new creation, and it's in Christ. And it's for all who come to him in confession of sin. Reza, one of our missionaries, was here years back, and he talked about coming before God at the end of time. And he says, the father will put his ear down to our chest, and he'll listen for the heartbeat of his son. I've never forgot that, and I think it's a beautiful picture when Ezekiel writes of this new heart. And it's the heart of Christ. And it, it, Christ in us, the hope of glory, this heartbeat of Christ. So as new creations, we are alive to God. If you turn back to chapter 4, verse 6, if you have your Bibles open there, look at this creative power in verse 6. For God who said, let there be light. We're pretty familiar with that, aren't we, from the Genesis series. The God who said, let there be light, has now shone where in our hearts to give the light of the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So that old covenant, Moses' face came out shining, but it was a fading glory. But now God has shone in our hearts with this radiant glory of the eternal Son of God. So this new creation, Paul has compared it here to original creation, and now again, a shining in our hearts. And in that verse, in verse 18... All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So now we get that second phrase, reconciliation through Christ. Paul would write in Romans, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled through his death. How much more shall we be saved through his life? And he writes in Colossians, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind through wicked works, yet now he is reconciled. How did he do it? 
in the body of his flesh through death. So it's a death of Christ that brings reconciliation. So it's reconciliation through Christ. Christ died for our sins. That's 1 Corinthians 15. What I delivered to you, this gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So we have regeneration through union with Christ. We have reconciliation by the death of Christ. And now we see reconciliation through forgiveness. In verse 19, not counting their trespasses against them. By the blood of Christ, we have forgiveness of sin. So what happened at the cross? This glorious reconciliation we see so beautifully portrayed in verse 21. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin. So on the cross, Christ was made to be sin. And it was for our sake. Remember in Titus, when the goodness and loving kindness of God appeared, appeared with his son, who gave his life for us. I have to quote Kent Hughes on this. Church, I want us to, to just stop and pause and think about, he was made to be sin. This one who knew no sin. Kent writes, on the cross, Christ was robed in all that is heinous and hateful, as the mass of our corruption was poured out upon him. Wave after wave of our sin was poured over Christ's sinless soul. Again and again during those three hours, his soul recoiled and convulsed as all our lies and hatreds and jealousies and pride were poured upon his purity. When the sinless Savior died, can you say it? My sinful soul was counted free. For God the just was satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Friends, we are reconciled with God through the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for our sins. Entrance is in the kingdom. Nicodemus, unless you're born again. You can't enter the kingdom, but now reconciled with God and forgiven of sins through the work of Christ, we come before God on account of what Christ has done. Alistair Begg says that we want to approach the gates of heaven and they say, what allows you to enter? And the first words we say is I and I, he says, we've completely missed it. He says, when we get to those gates, we need to say, because he, we come to heaven because he, that savior died for me. He took my sin and now by his mercy, he's called me to be in right relationship with him because I received him as my savior. And I know the Bible says as many as received him to them, to them he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of the flesh, not of blood, not of the will of man, but born of God. So what a beautiful, all this is from God. The regeneration, the reconciliation, and, and the justification, James talked about, that we have now a, a citizenship in heaven. 
So for those of you who might be like me, you've, you've never come to that place of recognizing your sin. If you feel that weight of sin upon you this morning, think of God's mercy and love and the substitutionary work of Christ at the cross and come and say, Lord, I need Christ to bring forgiveness of sins. I recognize that I'm a sinner and lost, but I, he has become my treasure. So hear the message. Be reconciled to God. As we continue in verse 19, it says, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So this message is from God. It's a message entrusted to us. And the message is Christ. To Cornelius, the Spirit said to Cornelius, go to Joppa and bring Peter. And he's going to give a message to you by which you will be saved. And then in John 17, Jesus in his high priestly prayer says, Lord, I pray for those who will believe on account of their message. That the church you've given to me, those that are, are my people will take this entrusted message out. And Jesus said, I'm praying for those who will believe. This, isn't that the exciting part about this gospel series? We have good news. We have a message as God has given us and it's a message for the world. It's a message of Christ. And what's our, what's our impetus to do it? What compels us? Up in verse 14, Paul writes, the love of Christ con controls us. We have been so overwhelmed by the love of Christ that we are now in such a privileged place to, to go and be his ambassadors. He died for me. I'm going to live for him. What a beautiful calling to come and serve God as his ambassadors in this world that Stephen prayed about that is far from God. A world that Paul would write earlier in 2 Corinthians that this mind of the world, their hearts are, are blinded by the God of this world to keep them from seeing the light of this gospel, of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So that the world in blindness and what they need some intel taken to the front lines. We need to go with this message that will prevent a massacre and will prevent destruction. That's a propitiation we talked about earlier that Christ has taken upon himself this wrath. But the wrath of God is upon us outside of Christ. So blindly walking towards judgment. We have the intel that will prevent their death. And there's an urgency. Look at chapter 6. The first two verses. Working together with him then. We appeal to you not to receive this grace in vain. For he says in a favorable time I listened to you. In a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold now is a favorable time. Behold now is the day of salvation. That's the urgency of the message. Mark Carrington preached this passage years ago. And uh, it was back in 2014. And he talked about the same thing. The message is urgent. The message is Jesus. 
The message is indiscriminate. It's for the world. And the message has been entrusted to us. And just to reaffirm that, this urgency, it's for all people. Peter would write, it's through the word of God. Christ, the word made flesh. He said, since we purified our souls in obeying the truth. So we take this message that people need to receive. That now we have this fervent love for one another. And he says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So we have this word of God, this gospel truth. And, and in that verse 16, that we need to have high regard for Christ, don't we? Paul at one time saw him as a messianic pretender, but now he's Lord. On the way to Damascus, he was going to bring Christians back to Jerusalem, but instead he started to proclaim Jesus is the Son of God. So this word that we're proclaimed, this regard for Christ, and then a regard for the gospel, that this is the good news. Do you know in Corinth there was some super ministry starting to creep in, starting to lean people back to the externals, and a little bit of a shinier ministry, but Paul pleaded with them that he is bringing a message of the heart and he said, you are our letter of commendation with, with your hearts written with, with not with, with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. So what our appeal here is we've entrusted the message. So let's have a high regard for Christ and a high regard for the world that he gave his life for. That we would love to take that message to the world and specifically to our families and in the workplace to our neighbors. And I know how long sometimes we can be with our hairdresser, take opportunity in those two hours to share with the gospel and all the places where we meet people. Barb and I just recently went to Bell. I needed a new phone and we spent some time just chatting about the Christian faith. And we didn't see a new convert, but he did say, I learned something when we were finished. So when the weight of sin is heavy, look to Christ. He became sin so that sin's rule will end. And in closing, Jesus said to Paul, it's recorded in Acts 26, I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they might turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your gift that came through your mercy and love. The gift of being reconciled to you. The gift of taking my sin and placing it upon your son who was pierced and crushed for our iniquities. Thank you, Lord, that the punishment that we deserved was upon Christ. Wave upon wave of our sin poured upon his purity because you so loved the world. So Lord, give us a high regard for Christ today. May we lay our, our opposition and our alienation down even today and say, Lord, I receive Christ. Receive me reconciled. In your name we pray. Amen.